warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. It's the Real Britannia podcast, the very British podcast about very British movies with just a hint of professionalism. The reason you can hear my smile down this microphone is because I'm joined with two of the loveliest people in the world. It's Stephen and Tony. Good morning, guys. Oh, good morning. <laughs> morning. Yeah, we've, I've, I've had to start this recording catching you by surprise there lads because if we'd have carried on <coughs> hey if we'd have carried on we'd never have got round to what we we're supposed to be talking about and and we're sort of dropping in hints about what we were talking about in the conversation we were just having how we both been tony it's been a while hello, hello. yes it's been a while yeah as always i've been a bit busy i've moved house and stuff <laughs> have you still Adult got the things still got the same job Still got the same job. Yes, that hasn't changed yet. That's a record, isn't it? It is. It is. But obviously, you know, money talks at the moment, and there's a shortage of HGV drivers in the world. Yeah. So, um, I could be changing very soon. There we go. I knew it happened, Stephen. Didn't you? It's it's just a matter of time, you know. Yeah, it's you know you can't stay in one place for any time because you know the most people catch up with him, don't they? So. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> And the job I do want, unfortunately, Boris has got that at the moment. So, um, yeah, I can't do my dream job. <laughs> sure, you'd do it better, though. Uh, no, 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 never. Don't put too much pressure on me. <laughs> Last time you was here, you were building a, a camper van. Camper van is built, and I've been out um, camping in it. Yeah, he's very camp. I've been out. Uh, it's great. We must do that road trip you promised me as well one day. We were going to go down the coast in it, weren't we, and just go and find some fish and chips or something, weren't we? Yes, we are <laughs> going to do that. And now that the winter's approaching, so I won't be holidaying, holidaying in it as much, mm. we can do it because we've got heating. We'll have electric. Are we going uh, we'll like to be like two old men then, sitting down by the seaside with our flasks of tea? You yeah. Know, with one of them little fold-out tables and... Little fold-out tables when it gets too cold, we're going and warm up under my tartan blanket. <laughs> Steve, I'll have his furry zip-ups boots as well. Oh, I've got so, one now. I, I really do need to send you a picture because I have got my furry boots on as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and this is literally a day after one of the hottest days of the year, guys. It was 30 degrees a couple of days ago. But it's not now. Not, you're not here in um, Medway. It's Baltic. Terrible. So it's been a while since the three of us have been together, and this was sort of like a surprise recording. Well, certainly a surprise for Stephen, because he only found out about 24 hours ago. Uh, Tony rang me and said he was available, which is always quite a disturbing phone call when Tony says that. And, <laughs> and um, So I said, well, look, Sunday morning, Let's do the next in the carry-ons. It's easily done. Stephen happily has jumped on board. We're up to number... Is it number five? 
Jeez. I would say we're rattling through them, but we're not. Well, no, considering there's like 31 officially of them, we're not going to do the modern ones. But mm. yeah, we're, we're, we're still not a substantial way through. So. <laughs> we are getting there. We've made a start, nevertheless. It's one a year. Well, we've caught up a bit this year. Yeah. Yeah, well, me and Tony, we did sort of two in a, a weekend almost, mate, didn't we? I think Constable and Teacher or something we did together almost, didn't we, I think? What did you call me? <laughs> that, that's almost a line from this movie, isn't it? There was something like that that she says. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, it's carry on regardless. We're into the early 60s now. So the golden age that we sort of described, didn't we? We, we reckon the golden age starts around... Doctor Cleo, wasn't it? I can't remember what we said, but it's literally a couple of years' time. We've got a few more before it hits what people generally think of a carry-on movie. But the elements are there, aren't they? This one's a little bit saucier. Very saucy at some points. Yeah, carry on regardless. Tell you what, let's see if I can find a trailer. If not, there'll be a clip from the movie. We'll be back after this. Twist is the name, Sam Twist. France is called me at your service. Lily Duveen, that's me. Delia King, Miss. They're back again. That gang of comedians whose reputations stretch for smiles and smiles and smiles. What are they up to this time? We'll tell you. Helping Hands, they call themselves. A limited company with unlimited opportunities for helping everyone into limitless trouble. You're not so Theodore. Lady, I never said I was. Leave this instant. Some other time then, eh? Anytime you need what? a helping hand, here, tell your friends. There we are. Oh, <laughs> Sidney James as the boss with an interest in vital statistics. Kiss me. Madam. Mate. Kenneth Connor, hired to babysit. Private Enterprise runs riot as helping hands carry on regardless. See Charles Hawtrey in the ring. <laughs> what a champion. What a nerve. Run, guy. Run. See Joan Sims, the toast of a wine-tasting party. Yes, they're all here, the Jackson Jewels of all trades. Disgraceful. A load of drunks. Bill Owen, Miss Fraser, Terence London, Kenneth Williams, a chump who's personal companion to a chimp. Can you take us to... I'll take you, but not your brother. I beg your pardon, we've had a long walk and we're very tired. You climb in a tree and have a kip. <laughs> Only one thing remains to be said. Carry on. Okay, that's Carry On Regardless, released in the UK, 1961, directed by Gerald Thomas written by Norman Hudis, starring Deep Breath, Sid James, Kenneth Williams, Charles Hawtrey, Kenneth Connor, Joan Sims, Liz Fraser, Bill Owen, Hattie Jakes and Terence Longdon. That's just the main cast. Listen to this lot. In support, you've got Esma Cannon, Sidney Taffler, Stanley Unwin, The Hickson, Betty Marsden, Fenella Fielding, David Lodge, two of the upper echelons of the Hall of Fame are lurking in the background, Stephen. I'm sure you'll be telling us about that nearer the time. Mm -hmm. The storyline. Well, 
basically there is no storyline to this. It's just a series of sort of sketches, isn't it, and comic escapades. But the plot, for what the plot actually is, is as follows. Bert Handy, proprietor of the Helping Hands Agency, promising to provide assistance for any task, big or small, is in a quandary. Accompanied only by his elderly secretary, Miss Cooling is in desperate need of employees to provide said assistance. But today, even an advert in the Times has proven unsuccessful. Meanwhile, at the Labour Exchange, there's a dire shortage of jobs, never mind interesting ones. So when a motley crew get wind of helping hands need for staff, they can't get there quick enough. And Bert hires all seven of them on the spot. Work quickly builds up at the agency, from pet walking to translation services, modelling to cleaning, hosting and queue place saving. Even Handy himself has to get to work. However, with the increasing workload come an increasingly odd set of assignments, and when Miss Cooling's careful organisational system is thrown awry by a careless cleaner, disaster could be on the cards. Thank you, good night. <laughs> right as i say it's a series of sketches that that's how it works out there is this very loose bit of glue holding it all together which is sid james giving out these assignments basically um stephen is gonna curse me because um we worked out there's over a hundred people on the cast list so when we get to the village hall of fame later um yeah, he's got his work cut out, so thank you for doing that in anticipation, Stephen. Thank you. Well done, Stephen. <laughs> Sometimes it's a, a bigger job than others, and it just balances out. But no, I was, I was happy to come on here and, and do this and review, like you say, this series of vignettes, mm. um, rather than it being the, the usual plot structure that they've decided to have, to some extent, interlacing, but the, they are separate in a lot of ways that they could be just seen standalone really isn't it a bit like carry on loving isn't that what happens there tony when is it hattie jakes and sid james set up the the dating agency it Uh, is pretty much the same format yeah and after that it's their own personal little experiences isn't it yeah because it's almost almost a similar situation in carry on loving when Bernard Breslau as the husband who's the wrestler comes home and finds I can't even remember who it is but we get that sort of plot here don't we when uh, Liz Fraser's modelling the clothes for the wife and the wife comes home and she hides in the wardrobe it's exactly the same even if you haven't seen it before you just know it's going to happen (laughs) it don't make it any less funny but you just know what's about to happen how many times have you seen this one Tony because it's an early one and I know you quite like the early ones uh, oh, I can't remember. Loads. Loads for you, Lots isn't it? Times, yeah. Stephen, what do you reckon for yourself? How many? Again, the the early figures, early films are, are my, you know, mostly the favourite ones for me. Oh, so right. I think I've seen this in double figures. Wow. I only watched this a couple of months ago because I was enjoying the early ones when me and Tony were going through like uh, Constable, Teacher, and all those ones, Nurse. So. I started watching them in advance a few months ago and I got about as far as cruising, I think it was. I got as far as. So I only watched this about five, four or five months ago. So I watched it again this morning. And it it just proves that those early ones, which I think are generally overlooked, there is some real diamonds in here, isn't there, in this early set of carry-on movies? Absolutely. The, the characterisation and, as you said, they were a bit... L- more risque than they were given credit for 
there was also some some genuine attempts at having a, a you know this one being the exception genuine attempts at having a proper dramatic plot in some ways um and some pathos in there whereas in some of the later ones it you know did um become more seaside postcard not that that's you know a bad thing it just it just sort of evolved into something slightly different but these are you know the early ones the black and white ones mostly i think there's a there's a lot to be credited to them yeah. um that isn't seen by a lot of people because there are some people who won't go and watch things that are black and white and there are some people that only see the color carry-ons on a sunday afternoon on a bank holiday weekend and they don't don't show the the older ones as much unless you sure. watch a great tv channel um, that shows black and white films quite a lot. So, Tony, what about you? The early ones compared to the mid-season ones or the later ones? You like the later ones as well, which is, you know, I, I find quite disturbing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got... Yeah, there's a few early ones that I like. This is one of them, Carry On Regardless, Carry On Constable, I like them. Yeah. And then, like, the late ones, you like Carry On England is probably the latest that I like. Um that's because I'm a fan of Windsor Davies. That's the only reason. Yeah, um, Carry On Behind was the other one, wasn't it? I think that he was in. Carry On Behind, yeah. Yeah, so it's a bit weird for me. One of my least favourites is Carry On Camping, um, which is obviously um, the one that ITV like to show every hour on the hour. Um, <laughs> it's also regarded as sort of like the peak, isn't it, I think? It's the one that everybody knows. Yeah, everyone knows it, and that's why it's on every bank holiday and every Sunday and all the time at Christmas. Yeah. It's somehow become the most carry on of carry ons and I think it's I think it's just because of the clip that gets shown so much of the whole Barbara Windsor bra flying off. Yeah. But I think that is not as its singular point of, of notoriety why it's it's been shown so frequently and got into the public consciousness as being the carry on. Yeah. I mean, carrying on regardless, though, like I was saying earlier on, Liz Fraser, there's not a lot left to the imagination in this. That's true. Hopefully not. Absolutely. <clears throat> We're talking 1961, just post-Lady Chatterley, where the floodgates open for the permissive society guys, and anything goes now at this point, you know, because this is when sex finally gets admitted, you know, into into the general conversation at last, you know, and we start seeing more openness and more discussion about that side of things. And I think the reason this is one of the better early ones. Now, bearing in mind, guys, look at that cast, right? We are talking almost core carry-on cast here. There's no Barbara Windsor, no Jim Dale, all right? But... Or Bernard Breslau. Or Bernard Breslau. But in the grand scheme of things, there are other actors and actresses that probably appeared more than those three guys, Okay, um, Hattie Jakes is literally reduced to a cameo in this. Yeah, seconds, and she sees the sister on the ward. Yeah, so she still appears. I think she's appeared in every one so far, but she gets like a little cameo in this. It's Liz Fraser's debut, and as I say, it's surprisingly, you know, that she would appear in three more. So she appeared in four, but she's never yeah. generally recognised this year as a carry-on actress. No, and Terence Longdon, he's been in everyone. He, he's appeared he? in all five up until this, and then doesn't appear again yeah. in any of them. She's his last one. But um, yeah, Liz Fraser, yeah, she managed to 
avoid being, I suppose, typecast as being a carry-on actress in a way because some of the other stuff um, she um, was in, even including making an appearance in the uh, Dad's Army film. Yes. Um, so she, you know, she didn't get so typecast, but um, I think some of the others maybe did get seen purely as as carry-on actors and actresses. Um, but it, it is pretty much the core cast, as you say, but um, how they're used, you know, to their strengths, or, or maybe like Hattie Jerks, she was underused, perhaps. Yeah. I'm just gutted Fenella Fielding didn't do more than she did with the carry-ons. Was it only two? Um, she, two. She's only in two of them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, as I say, it's... Some have standout carry-on performances. You know, I mean, Harry H. Corbett only did the one, but I'm pretty sure that was a last-minute replacement for Sid James. That part was written for Sid James in Screaming. It's It's, it's got yeah. to have been. But, yeah, when you think we still haven't had the first Barbara Windsor one, which is spying, and then Bernard Cribbins sort of creeps in for a couple, and you think he's going to be a regular, don't you? But he doesn't sort of last the pace. Uh, and then we get it down to the you know the generally like the the generally considered core of Hawtrey, Williams, James, Jakes, uh, Connor. You know that they're probably the ones that would would be the ones that everybody knows as the carry on team. I, I mean, for you, yeah. yeah, and for you, Tony. I mean, is 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 that what makes these early ones appealing? Is it the familiarity of the characters and the actors? Is it that makes this this early one a lot more appealing for you? Yes and no. I, I like it where you're starting to see the, the team build up, to be honest. You, you, from the beginning to now, you, you're starting, like you say, you're starting to see the regulars. They're very comfortable with one another. The jokes are getting a bit more risky. Yep. Um, and I, I think that's what I enjoy about it. And I think that's probably why, towards the end, mm-hmm. I started to dislike it because a lot of the characters are either dying off or they're not being used. Yeah, or it's reduced to just baldy seaside postcard humour as Stephen said and and, and a lot of these guys were fantastic actors you know when you look at this early stuff alright it is comedy but then comedy is some of the hardest things you can do in the acting world and they all do it bloody well Um, and and this is the reason also Tony like we're doing it chronologically as well because you said the evolution of the team as it builds and it changes slightly you know when we get to carry on Jack and cruising there's a real departure there, I think, when we get to those. And it's going to be like, oh, hello, where are we going with this series now? And then it goes into the Doctor stuff and the Clio and all that lot. And then we get the Golden Age. Um, but we, we said we could sort of divide this into three or four eras, couldn't we, the carry-on? We're still first era, guys. I think this is still the first lot, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the plot. What plot there is, because there isn't. It's it's just comedy sketches, guys, isn't it? It's just funny situations. Kenneth Williams, for a start, is playing Kenneth Williams. <laughs> it's got the same sort of "I'm better than you" attitude that he's had in several of the others. There has been things said before, going a bit further back, that um, quite an iconic character in in more modern cinema than this um, was said to be a sort of stereotype that was perhaps influenced by uh, Kenneth Williams. Mm. And the fact that Kenneth Williams in this is playing a character that can speak um, seven different languages fluently um, adds a bit more weight to the idea that C-3PO um, was based <laughs> upon. <laughs> That's true. 
Any favourite characters, Tony? I mean, you, I'm, 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 I'm going to take. No, I'm not going to take a guess because I think I know. Go on. Oh, Charles Hawtrey. Yep. Doesn't do a lot uh, in uh, this. Doesn't do a lot, but the literally does. Like the fight scene in the ring, quite yeah. funny. Uh, when he turns up to be a bouncer <laughs> in a gentleman's club. Yeah. You know, you don't even see him do anything in there, but it's just funny watching Charles Hawtrey standing there wanting to be a bouncer. <laughs> He's going to do it anyway. He doesn't care. And um, then be a boxer. Yeah, and then be a boxer and knock out this massive bloody man in the ring. Yeah. Um, completely accidentally. It's just hilarious. You know, he doesn't do a lot, but what he does do it really makes me chuckle. I like Liz Fraser in this as well. I thought she was excellent in this, not for the obvious reasons. No. Mm-hmm. All right. But I've always <laughs> always liked Liz Fraser uh, as an actress, not just because she's walking about in skimpy underwear for about 10 minutes. Honestly, Liz Fraser, I mean, she does another three after this. And as Stephen said, with the other stuff she did, we saw her in the Dad's Army movie recently. Um, she was in the early Hancock TV series, amongst other things. Do you know, Double Bunk with Sid James. Much missed, much missed actress. Absolutely, yeah. There were, she she was definitely more than just a pretty face. Um, she actually had a, you know, an immense amount of talent that perhaps wasn't fully recognised because of her good looks, yeah. um, which you know, we know unfortunately does happen um, that some actresses don't get recognised for, and some some are actually promoted despite not having talent just because they are good looking. But she um, managed to still uh, have a, a jolly good career, and there are some quite very interesting things on her CV and filmography. To be perfectly honest, yeah, I'm gonna bring two-way stretch to the table at some point which is the peter mm-hmm. sellers film from i think the same year it's about 1960 61 i'm sure and she plays peter sellers girlfriend in it and it's got bernard cribbins and david lodge in it and wilfred hyde white it's a it's one it's my favorite peter sellers movie and, and she is fantastic you know it's irene handle all of those guys it's this is the sort of era isn't it this, this coming out of the 50s into the early 60s there is some sort of similarity amongst British comedies, guys. Am I right that, you know, I'm not saying they're all the same, but, you know, you, you, we, we can expect these casts that we're going to go, blimey, that's a great cast. And Yeah, there's a thing with British comedy from a certain point post-war that even went up until the 70s with the, the Confessions films and, and mm. things, is that it's centering the comedy around a particular profession. Um, kind of thing, and there's a way of you know there's a way that's been done differently, slightly by um, different writers and directors and things. But there is that that running thread, and you know the carry ons are part of that, same as normal wisdom is in some respects. And thankfully, it, there's just enough of them that it isn't going too um, overdone. Thankfully, you're not just thinking, oh, another one about the police or another one because there's just enough smattered around because they tried to find a you know a different one to pick on as a profession but yeah there was that running theme going through and thankfully um you know with this they decided to do something slightly different by having the sketch show almost type approach to it and we split it up into different vignettes um it's a different approach and it's it's quite refreshing in a way yeah and kenneth connor i think you know the, the you know, doing the the whole um, bit about him being a spy, you know, a spy and all that kind of stuff because it gets misconstrued. I think that 
you know, in reflection when the, there's um, this isn't too far distant from the third man. It's the 39 you know, steps, kind of isn't it? Isn't and the 39 th- steps and yeah. stuff, yeah. So he the mentions f- 39 steps in the fact, yeah. Yeah, because it's the fourth bridge, isn't it? And um, <laughs> what, what did he want? A, a fourth at bridge, wasn't it? A fourth at yeah. bridge. <laughs> So he was a fourth man, that was it. The fourth man, there we go. <laughs> I was going to say that Tony's favourite character was going to be Joan Sims, because we know of Tony's love for dear old Joan. <sighs> yes, um, uh, she plays a very good drunk. We said this in Teacher, this, yeah. didn't we? Teacher, she was absolutely off her face, and she, she was brilliant at that. That was the first thing I thought of, was she's done drunk again, and she'll do it again in Up the Kyber, amongst other things. Uh, I was that... reading some trivia on this, and mm. when they was actually rehearsing, they were using water. But um, when they actually went to film it, the producer actually swapped it for gin. Ah, so the reaction you get is genuine. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> As we know, it's very easy to do drunk, especially in a comedy where it's overdone. And to some extent, you know, John Sims just touches the edges of, of being overdone, hammy. But she just keeps it just inside it to to make it funny and not overdone. Um, as you say, and she does it so many times that I, I can understand why they return to having her characters being drunk in future because she's done it so well in the past. Go, yeah. Well, that's it. That's easy laughs. That is. Let's get. A- well, they don't have to script it, do they? It's like right. Let's just do a scene where Joan's pissed. We'll have one of them in there. <laughs> and you know, then um, she obviously carried things on with alcohol. Uh, in she did, yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, that comment I've just made—I haven't even thought about this—but it sort of rings true because the writers now know this cast. So, can you imagine? It's probably going to be right. Let's get Joan Sims in a drunk scene. Let's get Charles Hawtrey in his vest and his pants somewhere along the line <laughs> because it's nothing's funnier than a skinny little weedy guy in a pair of like boxer shorts and a, and a vest, right? Let's get Sid James Pervin on some girls in their yeah. stockings and suspenders. Yeah. And then, right, we'll get the eye candy. Right, we'll have Liz Fraser for this one. You know, we've had Shirley Eaton in a previous one or whatever. We need a matron. Ah, can we get Hattie Jakes? You know, but then the Hickson's in this, playing the matron or the sister or whatever she is. But she appeared in, was it Nurse? Wasn't she the sister? I can't remember now. Yes. And she's been in a couple up to this point, hasn't she, Joan Hickson? She makes a bloody good matron in this, though, to be fair. But Hattie Jake seems out of place as a sister. Yeah. See, that's the thing, because I'm sure Joan Hickson was the matron in Carry On Nurse, wasn't she? Or one of them. But you can imagine that, you know, once you've got this well-established cast... And and don't forget as well, they weren't all unknown actors before the Carry Ons. You know, they'd all have fairly successful careers leading up to this as well. Sid James in particular. And Charles Hawtrey. Yeah, um, a child you know, actor. To be fair, I mean, child actor and, and then, you know, appeared in, was he was in um, Passport to Pimlico and, you know, things like that that were, you know, outside of the, the, the carry-ons. The piano playing talent that he had was, you know, used elsewhere. So you're absolutely right that a lot of them who got typecast as carry-on actors and actresses, you know, had careers before and to some extent after, but unfortunately the public only associate them with one thing. Well, while we're on the subject of cast, I think let's get this out of the way because poor old Stephen must have had his work cut out at such short notice. 
Let's take a wander up the path into the Village Hall of Fame. I'm sure there's lots of people waiting. Stephen, again, apologies for this, but I'm sure you've done the sterling work that you normally do in the Village Hall of Fame, which celebrates any actor or actress, producer, director, composer, screenwriter that has appeared on the show three times or more, and some a lot more. So, take it away, my friend. I'm not going to list out um, every film that every person's been in, because it would... um another hour of the show <laughs> we, we do have 14 people making their second appearances for example oh wow uh, I'll run through the names Terence Alexander Julia Arnell Joe Beckett Sylvia Bidmead um, Eric Boone Tom Clegg Ian Curry Vi Delmar Fenella Fielding hey Douglas Ives June Jago Freddie Mills Ambrosine Phil Potts and Molly Weir uh, at least one name there that we do actually, you know, have um, facial recognition of. Oh, there's um, a few there Terrence. actually. Yeah, Terence Alexander, um, Freddie Mills was the boxer, the guy that died yeah. in mysterious circumstances in Charing Cross outside his club. You know, apparent suicide, but mm-hmm. you know, and, and also rumours that he was the um, the serial killer as well. Fascinating story, the Freddie Mills story. Who else did we have there? Molly Weir was probably more famous as the woman from the Flash adverts in the 70s. And, yeah, the, the, the more I'm watching these, the more I'm recognising people. And, and there's going to be a couple coming up uh, where in the past we've said, do you know what, I don't even know who that bloke is, but I was looking out for him this time. So go on, mate, carry on. We are starting to recognise you know, recognize. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Fenella Fielding, obviously, we'd recognise her, but, yeah. you know, interestingly, she wasn't playing some some comedy character previously when we've seen her it was in Sapphire previously course, we saw her yes. in the lingerie shop yeah. which you know is Sapphire's not generally seen as a comedy definitely not <laughs> <laughs> so um, we have seven people making their debuts in the um, Hall of Fame having had three appearances seven. Um, on this show so I shall run through them um, Esma Cannon hey you like Esma Cannon Tony don't you and I I oh, do. Yeah. I think she's yeah. she's wonderful. Mm. Um, Troubling star and Carry On Constable. She was in previously. Mm. We've also got a fella called Jerry Desmond. Okay. He's also in Troubling Star and uh, Man at the Moment. So he's managed to get in there um, before he's done three non wisdoms because that's yeah. where he was most famous from. Of course. Um, for a lot of people, Howard Marion Crawford was in Gideon's Day and Northwest Frontier. Okay. Um, and that is Northwest Frontier, not um, Northwest not, Passage. Not, not Passage. <laughs> Eric Pullman was in From Russia with Love and The Third Man. Oh, okay. So, you know, quite a different flavour of film um, this compared to what before. Yeah. Um, Cyril Raymond, Brief Encounter and Dunkirk. Mm-hmm. Jack Taylor, Night to Remember and Carry On Constable. And then David Williams was in Carry On Sergeant and Carry On Nurse. Wow. Um, okay. We also have um, six people making their fourth appearance. Yeah. <laughs> um, Eddie Boyce, Ed Devereaux, Liz Fraser, hey. Uh, hey. Terence Longdon, 
Bill Owen and Sidney Taffler. So uh, most of those are actually recognisable to us. Yes. Thankfully. Definitely. Good old Bill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, see, that's using another his, one, isn't using it? his own accent rather than uh, pretending to be a Yorkshireman, yeah. which he became famous for. Of course, yeah, but he's another one that was there in the early ones and then disappeared, didn't he? You know, I don't think he's in any or many after this. Okay. No, no, and um, we also saw him in Georgie Girl, didn't we? That was it, he was the father, wasn't he? Yeah. Mm. There are eight people making their fifth appearance. <laughs> I knew you'd have your work cut out, mate. Go on. <laughs> um, the a guy that sounds like a, a, a Texas sheriff called Wallace Bosco. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Kenneth Connor, uh, Sid James, David Lodge, Norman Washington, oh. Kenneth Williams, and then the director, Gerald Thomas, of and course. also the um, writer, Norman Hoodis, obviously are, are making their fifth appearance, um, each of those. Yep. which is uh, quite good for them to, to be getting in recognised because we don't always recognise writers and directors, but I think those two deserve it. Five people making their six appearances. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Connor, Maxwell Craig, Anthony Sega, John Sims um, and Michael Ward. I looked out for Anthony Sega because I knew he was cropping up. Yeah. Uh, he was the bus conductor and he had a couple of lines because yeah. he's like, you're taking your brother on the bus. I oh, know it's something he said, wasn't it? It was the taxi driver said about your brother. Not taking your brother, but yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> um, also, we'll be coming up in a minute, the taxi driver. But So, and then yeah. we have three people making their seventh appearances. <laughs> Keep going, my friend. Yeah. Keep going. Uh, Ronald Adam. <laughs> yes. Um, he, he was. He's credited, but he doesn't appear. I looked this up. He's on the cast oh. list. Oh, right. But it says um, cut or something, scene cut. Oh. Yeah. Oh. But, yeah, Ronald Adam, you, you'll recognise the face. He always plays, like, MPs or ministers and things like that. And, and I don't know what scene he was supposed to have been in, but he says it's uncredited, scene cut. Oh. Well, well, we'll include that because he's on the cast. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like Eleanor Summerfield. She her scene was cut because it was a bit too risque, apparently. There we go. Um, yeah, plays part of Mrs. Riley, apparently, and I don't mm. know who Mrs. Riley was supposed to be. Yeah. No, no, her scene was was cut. So, mm. um, but along with uh, Ronald Adam making their seventh appearance, we've also got um, Hattie Jakes and Victor Madden. Victor oh. Madden. Yes. Should obviously recognise them quite well. Uh, one person making their eighth appearance, which is Charles Hartry. Oh, uh, one person making their ninth appearance, which is the Hickson. Fantastic! And I She's always still celebrate there. seeing her. She's, She's still staying in there. Yeah. One person making their eleventh appearance, and that's Fred Griffiths. Right, Fred Griffiths was the taxi driver. Right, he says, "I'm taking you, but not your brother." Right. Yeah. Fred Griffiths, listen to this guy, has appeared in over a hundred movies, twenty of which he played a taxi driver. <laughs> oh. Uh. And then you look through the rest of it, it's bus conductor, train driver. <laughs> but he had a speaking part. He was a taxi driver in 20 movies. He's got the look. <laughs> so how many is that for him? 10 or 11? 11. 11? Yeah. He's, he's near the top then. Come on, listen. Oh, is, I, yeah. I, I know, and I then know we've the got other one, two We've got one making their 13th appearance, yeah. um, and that is... Uh, the governor, Sir Old Chamberlain. Yay! 
who had a speaking part playing a policeman. Playing a policeman, yeah. 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 So that's 13. I know 13. there's one more. I know there's one more. Is there? Have I missed somebody? Yeah. He's in it. Oh. He is in it. You're going to have to, oh. you're going to, have to amend right. your figures. All right, I've missed somebody then. Victor Harrington's in there. Is he? You will really have to struggle to find him, right? Basically. There we go, everyone. A real Britannia first. Right, okay. How many have you got for Victor Harrington? Because add another one to it because I spotted him. Victor Harrington is um, currently with that addition. Mm-hmm. He's on 12. Oh, so Cyril Chamberlain's still above him then? Still, He's still the governor. He's still in the lead, yeah. Right. Victor Harrington's oh. at the wine tasting. All right. And when Joan Collins first... Joan Collins. Joan, Joan Collins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've got to see that version. Brilliant. When Joe Sims first turns up and she gets the little snifter of wine, first of all, he walks behind the guy that's pouring the wine with another chap and you very, very briefly see him. When it all kicks off, when she's drunk and they all go crashing into each other, he's the guy that lands in the armchair in the corner. It's Victor right. Harrington. Definitely. Well, he's on the IMDb cast list and it just says man at wine tasting or whatever it is. And I just looked out for him and there he was. Definitely him. Well, you know, as we know, he he did 292 film appearances. (laughs) So, um, it's, you know, it's probably easier to list the things he's not in. And to assume that he's in every film that we review unless we know different. Um, The thing was, as well, I was... I was as soon as I spotted he was in it and Cyril Chamberlain. I'm thinking, come on, we've got the Holy Trinity. Where's Marianne Stone? Yeah, bless she's not in it. How accessible is your list at the moment, mate? I need you to check a name. It's accessible, yeah. Okay, could you check um, Sally Geeson? Oh, blessed his house fame. Yes, Judy oh. Geeson's sister. I th- I'm not Geeson. sure if we've seen her yet in anything. Uh, no. Oh, she hasn't appeared. Right, okay. Oh, no, Judy, Judy Geeson. Judy Geeson has, okay. Well, how about this? Because I looked out for her, because she appears on the cast list, Tony, Sally Geeson, as one of the girls at the toy exhibition. And oh, I, really? It, okay. And I couldn't yeah. spot her. And I'm thinking, right, 1961, she must only be about 10 in this. Probably even, oh. even younger. Because I, I hope you're right, Scott. Otherwise, we're going to get complaints on Twitter. No, no. It says here, it says, Girl at Toy, toy Exhibition, uncredited, Sally Geeson. And I couldn't spot her, so I'm going to have to go back and have another little look. But honestly, there's 120-odd people, I think, in this cast. It's incredible cast list. Because you wouldn't think there was that many, because you think, you know, they're focusing on the core carry-on team. But then when you take into account how many people are at the wine tasting, how many people in the club, how many people at the exhibition... There's loads. There's absolutely loads. How many new inductees was that, mate? Seven? Yeah, seven new um, inductees. Virtually all of them we uh, have got name recognition and face recognition for us. Um, particularly good to have um, Esme Cannon and Jerry Desmond in there. That's um, great. That's favorites. Great news. Um, I'm going to ask... Geeson's actually been in three carry-ons. Who's that, mate? Daddy Geeson. Yeah, this is the first of, of the ones that she's in. Because she's in Abroad. Yeah, and Girls. Yeah. Well, well, well. There you go. So... Never... Wow, look at that. Even I learn things. <laughs> Who would have thought it that could teach you anything? Uh, exactly that. One thing I want to ask you, Tony, and perhaps we can check this. 
There's a oh. lady called Judith Furs who played the head mistress at the train station where Kenneth Williams thinks they're Chinese. She has been. She was in Carry On Cabby as well, wasn't she? Was she? I thought was. Wasn't she Doctor Crow inspired? Uh, she was Doctor Crow. Um, yeah, Carry On Cabby. Sid James picks her up, and she's the one that complains that he's driving like a maniac. Blimey! So there you go. That's a second appearance for Judith. Did you mention Judith Furs? You're not um, done the second. She's not been anything else yet. Um, she oh, will yeah. be. We haven't done Cabby, have we? No. No, not done Cabby yet. So she will tumble in because there's any number of things you know uh, one of the versions of Goodbye Mr Chips and uh, Helter Skelter um, when we eventually do I think she was in Man in the White Suit possibly oh right okay so she what might is... have been in that one of the Centurions I think she's in as well if I remember correctly she's one of the either one of the teachers or one of the other staff so she's you know in a, a, a few of her bits and pieces um Trying to think, I saw her in something recently. I was going to say, I keep forgetting that we haven't done Cabby because the next one's going to be Cruising, which is colour, isn't it? And then we go to Cabby after that. So, Judith Furs, what have I seen her in? I'm sure she, she was definitely Dr. Crow, wasn't she? Yes. No, she died in Canterbury in 1974. Oh. Well, that'll do it to you, been in Canterbury, yeah. Oh. Definitely Dr. Crow. Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Black Narcissus. Blue Murder at St Trinian's, Canterbury Tale. Oh, she was in a Canterbury Tale talking to Dining Canterbury. <laughs> oh, so she was in a couple of Powell and Press burgers, yeah. Weekend with Lulu as well, yeah. Man in the White Suit. Dirty Dozen. Dirty Dozen. <laughs> You're yes. joking, what, as in... Lee Drunken Lee? General's Wife. In, in, as in Lee Marvin, Dirty Dozen. Yeah, 1967, yeah. The Drunken General's Wife. Yeah, alongside, you know... Charles Bronson and Ernest Borgnine. <laughs> so how did she get in that? That wasn't filmed over here, surely. Because <laughs> oh. she looks Germanic, I suppose, what they want to stereotype oh, yeah, I suppose, uh, German yeah. women as looking like yeah. when you know we obviously know that German women can be absolutely beautiful, but um yes. <laughs> Not in this just in case there just in case there are any listening. Oh, the thousands, thousands of German <laughs> we know, women. We know, we know what a hardcore following we have amongst um, the German uh, female population. Yeah. Yeah, it's all all's forgiven. We're friends now. Yeah, they can't get enough of us. It was that review of Dad's Army that attracted them. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to make the obvious joke. <laughs> <laughs> I know where you're going. <laughs> Jonesy. Right. Um... <laughs> In summary, come on, Tony, tell it. <laughs> Don't you critics stop it. Right. Just a hint of professionalism, chaps. Um, <laughs> in summary, Tony, where does this stand in your carry-on favourites or not favourites? Um, no, it's up there. Is it a top tier for you, then? It's it's one of the top tiers, yeah. Mm, top half, basically, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the black and white ones that I do enjoy. I'm, I'm, well, I enjoy them all, yeah. to be fair, with the black and white ones. Um, 
but yeah, this is the one where they're sort of really coming together. Definitely. We say we've got the core cast. They've even managed to squeeze Hattie Jakes in there. I reckon Hattie Jakes wasn't available full-time for the filming. I reckon they've just created that specially for her just to get her in. Um, hmm. As we say, it's it's pretty much there. You know, we, we've got, like we say, the Barbara Windsor's coming along and the Jim Dales for a few, but this is... They've, they've found their feet, haven't they, at this point? They, they've done their safe ones up till now. It's starting to get a bit more risque, you know. And, yeah, this is it. Bit of a funny one next, though, with cruising, I think. It's, it's, it's a, a an odd one in the middle, I think, because cabbie comes after cruising. We'll have to see because that would definitely be worth talking about when we get to it. Stephen, for yourself, mate, where's this in your carry-on ladder? It's in the top ten. There's something about the, the earlier ones, the black and white ones, that I think um, chime better with me. And um, although this isn't absolutely you know, the top five or anything, it's still in the top ten, I would say, because I do like the way that they decided to do something slightly different with it rather than it just being a, a straight narrative of tried to do the vignettes the the, the broken scenes and um yeah. in that way um gives it just a different view really each of the scenes is you know worthwhile in its own right um rather than it being any, anything that feels like filler really yeah constable's a bit like it when you think about it though because they're all new recruits and they all get involved in little separate adventures don't they i suppose mm. Probably one of the last times we see something like this, but Cabby might do it a little bit, I think. But then there's the overriding arc in Cabby, isn't there, of Glam Cab? So, uh, for me, out of the black and whites, I think Nurse is still my favourite uh, of what we've watched so far. I enjoyed Teacher a lot more than I thought I had done previously. This, I've watched it twice in quick succession. And it was really good watching it again. I thought, oh, God, I've got to watch it again so soon. I didn't think I'd enjoy it so much. It was still funny watching it three months down the line, you know. And and as Tony said, and we sort of spoke about today, you could see that the script is being specifically written for each individual actor or actress. Uh, we haven't mentioned Stanley Unwin. No, the 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 professor mm. uh, of gobbledygook. Yeah, I mean he his appearance is. I don't care uh, what he eats. I don't think he's going to be bothering the the Hall of Fame as such um, anytime soon. But certainly a, a well recognised <laughs> appearance from uh, you know from British TV um, and cinema from a particular era. Yeah. Uh, worth recognising that he was in it doing doing his thing. Isn't he? Isn't he in something like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang or something? Is some? I'm sure he's in a or a medieval thing. I've seen him in something recently. I've I've watched him. He's gobbledygooking. I don't care what he eats. <laughs> <laughs> Kenneth Williams can actually translate it like it actually is a genuine foreign language. In the flabber blob. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's carry on regardless. 1961. Going forward, guys, as I say, it's Cruising Cabby, then I think Spying are the next three, I think. Let's see how we go. Are all three of us going to get together for those? I like the idea of the three of us doing the carry-ons if we can. Well, I was I was grateful to be invited onto this one, so I'm happy to come back again. I think yeah, I might turn up. You might turn up. I think we need him, Tony, just to keep an eye on the Hall of Fame. Otherwise, if we just lump another hundred like cast members onto him, he's going to go mad. Yeah, yeah, th- yeah there's no point in me even trying. 
really. Seven has got the keys not only to the Hall of the Fame, but to the magic spreadsheet as well. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it is all on a spreadsheet, uh, which is uh, yes, indicative in, of, of, of who I am. Yeah. I can't handle the pressure. To be fair, there's too many critics out there. You you struggle to watch the movies sometimes in time, don't you? That's the thing. I, I struggle to watch them sometimes, and sometimes struggle to watch them in English. So, when, when did you watch this one? I haven't. I'm going to say, when did he watch it this time? Because last time he'd watched it the actually the day more than 24 hours before. He had, that's right. Um, yeah. So when did you watch this one? Time? Well, I intended to watch it yesterday. <laughs> by not Go on. <clears throat> you watched it spawning. Yeah. Good man, same as me. Uh, but to be honest, I didn't need to. That's the thing. I, I, I thought I'd get away with it, but I thought I'd better refresh my memory because I'd, I'd seen it a couple of months back. Okay, guys, let's carry on regardless. We've already decided what we're going to be watching next time, so let's take a short break. We'll be back after this. Oh, how do you do? I've been thinking about this earlier, Busy, and I was wondering whether you'd gathered again now all ready for the frail, if you won't for that. Sure. Perhaps I'll be able to understand you if you talk slowly. Now, I'm sure it's my fault, but do me a favour, slowly. I have, for many crathers, almost an investment craven for them, and with all this thread, so I can follow through them to gain for you. I, I, I give in. I just don't understand. I do. You do? I understand. He gobbledygooks. I don't care what he eats. <laughs> you don't understand? I know I don't understand. Translate it. How do you do? <laughs> How do you do? Matiplo interpret? Well, how extraordinary is necessary for dueling these. But you can stroll both as messes, tell these people over the sounds. Mr. Haynes, uh, there was Golden. Mr. Handy, you'll have to prepare yourself for a shock. This gentleman is your landlord, and he's just given you notice to quit. Quit? Just because I don't talk his language? Racial prejudice, that's what it is. Really? No prejudice in some of the colour buttons? Wow. Oh, no. Each man's investing mold, and that was the future's late for his own gale. And so that's what I've drove for it, and therefore, us all have sarks. He says not at all. He's just received a much better offer for these premises. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? Oh, dear, just as we were settling in so comfortably. Well, I don't realise the problem alone for this thing like this. I've done to get the message home for weeks and on him and a day and trying to concept these people though. He says he feels very cut up about it, and he's been trying to tell you personally about it for weeks to soften the blow. Well, I'm sure we would all chip in towards the cost of the rent increase. Oh, yeah, sure. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we're not having that. We'll have to find new premises. Well, took you three months to find this place, and it's no palace. That's the end of helping hands. Oh, back to the labour exchange. Oh, no. Surely there must be some way out. Yeah, that door, we're sunk. Well, you're a defeatist lot. Surely there's something we can do about it. No, we'll just have to be sensible about it. It's a matter of business. In his shoes, I do exactly the same thing. If I was in his shoes, I'd run for my life. But it's not going to solve our problem, is it? All conscious and deep and a sheddy tear for those problems, the human being, and a suffer under wet seal in the water dangling nearly more tea. But I've got to suffer, sir, and I would say that you could all stay remain if you couldn't suffer just a small gracious generops. Our landlord says he has been very moved by our loyalty to this enterprise and by the nature of the enterprise itself. We can stay. Oh, oh good. Yeah. Oh, well, that's nice. Thank you. If, if we will do something for him. What? Oh, I'll, I'll do, do anything. anything. Yeah. 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 
I have, and it's the very environs and beautiful green lawns as England's never known. A great builders in Bindabaraki. And the very fine parapetters, either side, gargoyle in the front entrails, a filigroom, windy staircase up to the ceiling, fine glinty scintillade, the dangly chandelier, this fine central grave with Van Gogh cylinders on either side of the wall. And if anyone will come, gather together, working in the hellbone, and work himself to a stick of the shadow of the former soul, so this 99 which years Lisi was handy her free garber. His main business is property development. You know, the buying and the refurbishing of old houses. He's just bought the oldest and dirtiest house he's ever had, and the cleaning bill for it is prohibitive. If we will all clean it for him, he's willing to give us a 99 years lease. <laughs> well, why not make it the round hundred? You shut your cakey. You shut your cake hole. Okay, guys, thanks for being there this week. We already know our next movie that the three of us will be reviewing together. We think it should be The Cruel Sea from 1953. Now, we decided this way, way back when we recorded Dad's Army, which we recorded back in April. We'll squeeze it in before the end of the year, maybe. I think we can. I think we can get another recording with the three of us in amongst all the other stuff we've got planned. Cruel C. Jack Hawkins, directed by Leslie Norman. There's Donald Sinden in there, Denham Elliott, Virginia McKenna. Uh, the synopsis, despite his guilt over a recent harrowing sea battle in which many of his men were lost, Lieutenant Commander George Erickson, played by Jack Hawkins, is assigned to helm the new HMS Compass Rose with the help of steadfast seaman Lieutenant Lockhart, played by Donald Sinden. When the small vessel is sent to escort convoys of ships fighting German U-boats in the North Atlantic, the metal of the novice crew is tested by the weather, the turbulent sea and enemy attacks, one of which nearly destroys the Compass Rose. Have you guys seen this? No. I think I've seen it. I'm pretty sure I have, yeah. As I said, um, I think I said before that I am cautious because I don't want to um, confuse it with uh, above us only waves. Um, so I'm, I'm cautious thinking, have I actually seen it or not? Yeah. So. Tony, you love a war film, don't you, mate? I do like a war film. Mm-hmm. I'll have to get my tea and biscuits at the ready. <laughs> it's a typically British way of watching a movie. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Dreaming. Vacation. <laughs> Tony, it's been excellent and wonderful to have you back. It's been I a don't long time. It, Scott, it's been, it's been nice. It's been it's been <laughs> wonderful and excellent, and, 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 and all manner of loveliness to have you here oh, once thank again. You. Um, it's it's been entirely adequate to have you back. Yeah, no, no, no. thank you. That's better. Yeah, yeah and, and it ain't been too bad having you along as well, Stephen. Thank you. Oh well, so, that's yeah, you've been white. Right. <laughs> yeah. Filled in. Yeah. Until we meet again, this has been Real Britannia. Goodbye. Goodbye.
Bye. <laughs> Take care. Bon voyage. Good luck. Thank you. British end up, sir. I'm sick of pains. <laughs>